0: Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we give you thanks for the ties that bind us, the ties that unite us, that soften the hard edges of our hearts and allow us to draw to one another in friendship and to draw closer to you in sweet communion. Lord, we pray your blessing now in this time of preaching that as your word is proclaimed, it might take root in our hearts that we might be drawn ever closer to you. That our lives might shine with your light and your love in gratitude, but also in acts of mercy and humility toward others. Lord, hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. For the previous two Sundays, we gave our attention in worship to the story of Rahab, a woman whose strong and courageous faith still inspires and enlightens us. Generations and centuries, though, we are removed from her experience. Today, we turn our attention then to another woman of history of similar virtue, Barbara Heck, the mother of American Methodism. 253 years ago this week, Barbara Heck sparked the events that allowed the Methodist revival to take root, not only here in New York, but ultimately to spread across this country. Indeed, throughout uh, Canada as well. A true North American icon, she is. Her agenda, though, was simple. She wasn't a missionary. She wasn't a church planter or anything like that. She was just someone who believed, who had in her heart this aching belief that God could make a better way for her family and her friends than the one that they were making for themselves. It's really that simple. That was her agenda. Her belief that God cared about her and could make a way forward for her family and her friends that was better than the one that they were struggling to eke out on their own. Now, to understand Barbara's history, we have to go back a little bit before uh, she was born to the experience of her parents' and grandparents' generation. In the early 1700s, there was a group of people living in Germany along the Rhine River. And after decades of war in that region and after a particularly harsh winter, this group decided they could no longer stay in that place and they became displaced refugees. They left their home in the Rhineland, ultimately made their way to London, where the Queen of England set them up uh, outside the city. But there was animosity then. This, this is a long time ago, and sometimes when refugees came to a land, they were not welcomed, right? And that's what happened in this place. The refugees made their way to London, and the people of England and London uh, said, who are these dirty Germans that you've brought into our place? Get them out of here. Run, and they, they ran them out uh, of London. The Queen, though, cared about them, and she uh, used all in her power and her empire to, to kind of fi- help these people find better places to go than to sending them back to the place from which they came. So some came uh, to North America at that time, but Barbara Heck's family ended up in Ireland, and it's there that Barbara Heck was born uh, and actually had a, a, a pretty good childhood growing up there outside of Limerick. Uh, and in fact, it's there outside of Limerick that, as a teenager, Barbara Heck Met Methodist preachers who came to her town and they spoke of God's grace and God's love for all people and and, and the presence of this loving God at work in their life. And as a teenager, Barbara said, this is what I've been waiting for. This this is significant. And, And she took from those preachers and that experience a living faith in her heart that she would carry with her through the rest of her life. As a newlywed in her early 20s, Barbara and uh, uh, her husband, some extended family members, and some of those childhood friends from Ireland decided that uh, they'd heard of this place called America, that there was maybe better opportunities there than they had had, uh, that they would have if they stayed in Ireland. So they sailed across the Atlantic and they landed in New York. They landed, actually, they they came into New York Harbor and they landed on the East River. Uh, And that's where they began to make their home. Now, have you ever had an experience of your life where you set out uh, with with a good plan, with honorable aims, you're going to make your life better, you're going to make the life of your family, your kids better, you step out and you think, what could be wrong with a plan like this? I'm not hurting anybody, I'm just trying to make my life a little bit better, trying to make a better life for my kids. You ever set out and try to do anything like that? If you have, have you ever had that blow up in your face? because that's exactly what happened to Barbara and her friends. They came here with these honorable aims and this good plan, and they just encountered hardship after hardship along the way. Uh, They wanted to buy some land. Their big dream was to buy land and move up colony, upstate, uh, and, and they just couldn't do it. The rents even in the 1700s, you find people complaining about the rent in New York City. So they're complaining about how high the rent was. They couldn't save any money. When they did save a little bit of money, someone uh, said, yeah, yeah, I've got some farmland uh, upstate, uh, up colony, New York. Uh, give me a little deposit and I can hold that for you. Well, they gave them the deposit and the person was a scam artist and ran away with their money. Just hardship after hardship, heartache after heartache, the Heck family experiences. Actually, on top of that, uh, deeper heart came into their lives as well. Uh, in their first six years in America, between Barbara Heck and her husband and her dear, dear cousin Philip Embry and his wife, uh, these two families lost five children in six years. Um, so by the time 1766 rolls around, they're beginning to wonder, good God, what have we done wrong? What have we done wrong? Here it was, we were just trying to make our lives better, trying to set off in a new place and, and do something new, not hurting anybody, just trying to, to do something good. And life has just fallen apart all around us. That heartache and that experience and that emotion led to a pivotal moment in Barbara's life and in all of church history as well. It's a famous card game. Barbara Heck walks into uh, the home of one of her old Irish Methodist friends, and she finds them playing cards, gambling around the table. And that was the last straw for Barbara Heck. She kind of lost it on them. She grabbed up the cards. She threw them into the fireplace. They begin to burn. Uh, At that point, she delivers one of the great lines in all of of Methodist history. As they're burning, she screams, where are your idols now? And she runs out of the house. Barbara's close to having a breakdown, it would seem, at this moment, right? She goes to Philip Embry's house and she says, Philip, we have lost our way. And this is one thing I love about her. At that point, she could have gone to Philip's house and she could have said, you're not going to believe what those yahoos are doing. And you're not going to believe what they're up to over there. That's not what she does. She goes to to Philip's house and she says, Philip, cousin Philip, we've lost our way. I mean, we came here with such good plans, just wanted to make our life better. And now, man, we're we're just we're just trying to take each other's money in poker games. Come on. We've got to do better than this. There's got to be something better than this. Philip, you used to be a preacher, she said back in back in Ireland. Will you do that for us again? Will you be our preacher? He kind of hesitates and says, uh, I'm, not, I'm not so sure that I can do that. And she says, well, you're going to do it because I'm going to get people and I'm going to come back to your house and you're going to preach to us. And that's how Methodism started in New York. Barbara Heck gathered a group of people, and brought them to her cousin's house, and he preached. And that becomes the beginnings of, of all the Methodist churches in this area because of Barbara Heck's strength and courage and faith and refusal to let her family and friends drift too far from God and God's love. That strength and courage and faith would would stay with Barbara throughout other chapters of her life. They eventually did buy a farm, they left New York, they settled uh, up in Washington County, New York near the Vermont border. Um, At that point thinking we've arrived, here we are in a good place. The Revolutionary War broke out and they lost that farm and they had to go further, further, further. They ended up in Ontario. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and Barbara Heck is regarded as, as the mother of Methodism in Canada as well because she never let go of that faith, of that strength and courage that God placed in her heart. She carried it with her through the family of a refugee, through the experience of heartbreak in New York, through having losing your farm to a war, to ending up in a, in a far-off place, but always, always knowing that nothing that she had gone through had separated her from God's love. She stepped out into the tumultuous waters of life with faith because she knew of God and God's love for her. That experience helps us to understand the dynamics at play in our scripture this morning from the book of Joshua. Our readings, our lessons through the book of Joshua bring us to this pivotal moment in Israel's history today. They finally made it to the Jordan River. After all these years of Exodus wanderings, after generations and decades of making their way through the wilderness, they finally come to the spot where just getting across this river, the promised lands awaits. And you know what? After all that planning and all that travel, they arrive at the river in the middle of a flood. And they think, what have we done? All this wandering, all this traveling, all this exiting, whatever we're doing here, whatever we've been up to for 40 years. And in God's great, great plan, we arrive in the middle of a flood. And they sit there and they wonder, what are we up to? What's going on here? And certainly they begin to doubt. And certainly they doubted even more when Joshua said, no, 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 I've got a plan. I've got a plan. You priests, take the Ark of the Covenant that carries God's law for us, and you just take it and walk right into the middle of the water. And the people are like, what? What are you up to, Joshua? I mean, at least Moses gave us a plan here. You're supposed to stand above the water, hold your hands up, and the water is part, right? That's how we're going to get across that. God did that before. God's going to do it again. But Joshua says, nope, go walk into the water. The priests, take the Ark of the Covenant. They start walking into the water. And the water doesn't do anything. The water is still there, lapping at their feet. And the people are like, really? This is it? We've come all this way to watch our priests make fools of themselves walking out into the middle of a river in a flood? What the people didn't see at that moment and what the scripture tells us is that miles away, upstream... I love this part of the story. Miles Well, That's the the reason that those cities are mentioned in the passage that Joan read. Often we encounter these cities in the Old Testament, and we're like, "What, what in the world is that? Well, the significance of the cities and the places that are mentioned in that lesson today is that they are miles upstream from the place where God's people are. But the scripture says that miles upstream, the water stopped. Which means... That those priests had to sit there in the water for a little while. They had to sit there with the floodwaters lapping at their feet. Even though God had taken the action that would ultimately allow them to cross over on dry land, they had to stand there, risking looking like fools for a little while until the water passed by. But the water passed by, and the people of God crossed over into the promised land on dry land strong and courageous faith it's what the scripture commends to us it's the promise that when we recognize that God is active and at work in our lives we can step out into life's floods we can face life's storms we can encounter the heartaches of life with the confidence of a people who know that there's nothing we're going through that can separate us from God and God's love. Yes, we might look like fools. We might be the ones standing out there in the middle of the water, saying, no, 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 I got a plan, I got a plan, we're going to get through this. But we hold on. We hold on to the promises of God, never to let us go. Always to make a way and untie the knots that bind us that we might move forward as a confident and free and loved people. Rahab knew that, the, the story that we read for the previous weeks. Barbara Heck knew that promise. Many of you know that promise too. And you can testify to the times in your life when things got really, really hard, but you stepped out in faith and God made a way. And for those moments in our lives and for the promise that this God who parts the waters, who dries the waters, who makes a way for us to move forward, is still with us right here and right now in whatever we're going through, that this God is still with us. That's why we say this is good news for all people. Thanks be to God for this good news today and always. Amen and amen.